Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the word of God bless you today. So today we are continuing on in our sermon series on the book of Revelation uh, with Revelation 8. Uh, Listen again for God's word to us today. When the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a golden censer. Do you know what a censer is? A censer is, um, if you've ever been to a church service where they've used incense and you've seen that person swinging that kind of beautiful vessel with smoke coming out of it, that's a censer. You burn incense in it. It's usually from a, hanging from a big chain and, and you might swing it to, to spread incense around a room. That's a censer. So you have this uh, angel who comes with this golden censer and he stood at the altar And he was given a great quantity of incense to offer with the prayers of all of the saints on the golden altar that was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets made ready to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were hurled to the earth And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea became blood. A third of the living sea creatures died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of that star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died from the water because the water was made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet. And a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third 
of their light was darkened. A third of the day was kept from shining, and likewise the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew in the mid-heaven. Woe! Woe! Woe to the inhabitants of the earth! At the blasts of the trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. And this, too, is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever wondered about prayer? We just talked about it with the kids. Like, what is it all about? What are we doing when we're praying? How does God hear our prayers, receive our prayers? When does God answer them? What's the timing of God? Why didn't God answer this prayer that I was praying? Why did God seem to answer that prayer that that person was praying? A lot of questions about prayer. St. John, the revelator, who's revealing this image for us, he shows us something about how God receives our prayers. Remember, the way that John sees it, God is on the throne in this, in this great throne room, and this moment of silence, this moment of silence breaks out in the throne room. Remember, it had been really loud in this. It was, a, it was a place of worship in the room, and there were choirs of angels, thousands upon thousands, and there were 24 elders on 24 thrones, and they were all singing. And suddenly, in this moment, the, the earth breaks out in song, and heaven and earth are all singing. You remember that? A great, great uh, cacophony of, of, of music. And then last week, we heard about the four horsemen of the apocalypse who appear, and they are charging about the earth. So in this scene, it's pretty chaotic, right? A lot of going, things going on. And then in this moment, silence in heaven. Silence for half an hour. And an angel appears with this censer of, of incense, and the angel goes to the altar with this huge amount of, of incense. It's got smoke pouring, billowing out of it, and, and you can imagine the aroma in that place. You've ever been in a smoke-filled room? You've ever been in an incense-filled room? You, you, you smell it, you taste it, it's in your eyes. It's overwhelming. And the angel takes this huge amount of incense and offers it up to God on the throne. And St. John says that when he saw next, he said, The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of an angel. That smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of an angel. This moment, God is totally immersed in prayer. We might wonder, does God hear our prayers? Well, not only does God hear our prayers, God sees our prayers. When we pray, they rise before God and God smells our prayers and tastes our prayers and, and feels them and hears our prayer. God experiences, fully senses our prayers. 
This is what I love about Revelation. It's poetry, y'all. It's poetry. You could, you, there are tomes, libraries filled with books on prayer. And we could talk about the, the, the philosophy and the theology and the mechanism of talking to our cosmic creator and go on and on and on. But John, the way John says it, it's poetry. All I need, it's, it's like when you pray incense flowing to God, mixing and mingling with your prayers from the hand of an angel. That's all I need. That says it all for me. God experiences our prayer. I love a good fire. Do you, do you like a good... Uh, I love a good fire in a fireplace or a bonfire. Have you ever been to a bonfire that's made up of old Christmas trees? Oh, it's incredible. Like three stories high. You know, a, a, a Christmas trees that may be like a year old. Amazing bonfires. I love a good fire pit. We've got a fire pit in our backyard. We had a fire pit in, in when I grew up in our, in our backyard too. And in, in South Georgia, I feel like all 12 months, my family would spend many evenings by the fire pit. I love sitting by a good fire pit, staring at the flames, poking at the logs. I love how you, through an evening, you can measure the quality of a conversation through the amount of wood that you go through. Great conversations when you're sitting by the fire with someone. You could talk for, for hours, but you can also be quiet with somebody by a fire in a way that, that that's maybe seems to be more okay than being quiet with somebody and you're not sitting by a fire. Like imagine two people sitting together just staring at the ground, not talking for an hour. That's can be awkward, but just put a fire in the middle of it, perfectly normal. Stare at that fire for an hour, not talking. It's beautiful. Something about a fire. One thing I don't like about a fire pit is the smoke. It always finds you. Remember how many times you say, white rabbit, white rabbit, white rabbit? You know this white rabbit, white rabbit, smoke's coming at you. Maybe this is, maybe this is a George thing. <laughs> the smoke's coming at you. You're supposed to say white, white, white rabbit as many times as you can. It's a hard thing to say, and the smoke will leave you. It doesn't work, but you should try it. No matter how much you try, the, the, you're always, the smoke is always finding you. The next day after a fire, if you could put it on your jeans and your sweatshirt from the night before, you remember, oh, yeah, fire pit. I was... From a fire last night. Even if you put your clothes in the clothes hamper, if you go and buy that clothes hamper, you catch a whiff, you remember the fire. It's in your hair, it's on your skin. Until you take a shower, until you wash your clothes, you remember this fire. That's how God likes it with our prayers. That's what, that's what John reveals to us, that, that it's like God is joining us at this fire pit. And sometimes we can chat and chat endlessly with God. And sometimes we can just be quiet together for hours with God. Staring, sharing, dreaming, being sad and nostalgic. Look at a fire I remember, fires with Uncle Frank and his guitar. I remember fires in Kenya, the mission team. Remember all those fires, 
doing that with God. Do all that with God. It's praying. It's praying. Our prayers are mixed with the smoke rising from that fire and that smoke, and our prayers are directed all to God. God doesn't try to avoid that. God welcomes that. Our prayers get all over God. The scent of our prayers stays with God. God can smell our prayers on himself forever. From the hand of an angel, our prayers rise with incense before God. God doesn't just listen to our prayers. So much more than that. It's important that we pray. Even though God already knows what we need, God knows what we want, God knows about that parking spot that will not appear, God knows about the time that you want to slow down so you can get to the meeting, God knows and God wants us to pray because our prayers aren't just a wish list to God. Our prayers are an offering to God, an offering in worship to God. That, that's why it happens in this heavenly throne room. That's why it's mixed with the incense. It's worship, our prayers. When we pray, we are making an offering to God. It's important that we pray. When, a, when our sister in church raises her hand and says, can you pray for my sister's friend who has cancer? It's important that we pray. We should pray because that moment is an offering to God and it's mixed with the prayers for that child of God with dozens of other people, maybe all over the world, praying for that child of God. And God is not only attentive to those prayers, God is absorbed in those prayers. So it is an act of worship to God, it is an act of faith, and it is an act of kindness to our sister and to her sister and to her friend somewhere with cancer. And it's pretty amazing to me what, what John sees in this moment, that before all of this, God gets ready for our prayers. God takes this time to prepare for this holy moment of receiving the prayers of the saints. How does God get ready? God becomes silent for half an hour. There was all that joyful music. Remember, there was all of that cacophony. There was all of that chaos. And then suddenly, silence. Does anybody here practice like meditation, mindfulness, um, contemplation? You take some time to be silent. It's a really healthy practice. Um, John is there in this room. Everything becomes silent. And so John sits in silence for 30 minutes. Just imagine that God takes our prayers so seriously that before receiving them, God prepares in silence. And it's not just God who's silent. All of those around God 
Millions of angels, remember, are there. Dozens of elders are there. They're, they're all there. There's the six-winged creatures. They all become silent in preparation for God. The six-winged creatures with the eyes that are full of, that are full of eyes, their singing stops because God is getting ready for our prayers. Millions of angels stop their singing. Holy, holy, holy. Lord, heaven, heaven and earth are full of your glory. They're bellowing it out. Millions. And they become silent, completely silent. Because God is about to experience prayers. God is getting ready for a prayer from a parent who just lost a child. And God is is getting ready for this prayer from a soldier somewhere who is taking his last breath while a battle rages all around him. And God is getting ready for this whispered word from a child before she drips off to sleep. And a prisoner who is in isolation, who has no one else who cares to hear from him. And from a person who, who we might say is nonverbal, and God is getting ready for her prayers. And for us, when we say, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God is getting ready. Because this is major, holy work. This is the depths of human hearts, and so God takes some time to get ready to receive our prayers. I'll tell you what, sitting with St. John's Revelation these last few weeks, and specifically with this scene, it's made me reevaluate my own prayer practice. Right? Because if God takes this time to get ready for my prayers, then maybe I should do the same for God and for you. Before I, I pray Maybe I I should take some time. I think it'll take me some time to work up to 30 minutes, but maybe that could be my Lenten practice. Taking some time to prepare myself to pray. God takes our prayers that seriously. Saints, God takes in our prayers. God prepares to receive our prayers. And then what the seer sees is God's action. That's what we risk when we pray. We risk God's decisive action. We welcome God's judgment. When I say, Lord, you know about that baby in the NICU that we are praying for. Lord, please help him. Lord, you you, you know about the troops preparing for battle. Please, Lord, let diplomacy prevail. We are asking for it, y'all. We are asking for God's ruling, for God's action, for judgment and justice. In C.S. Lewis's um, great book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Lucy is this young British child. She and her older siblings happen upon this magical world that they find in the rear of of an old wardrobe while they're playing hide-and-seek. And they stumble into this magical kingdom where animals talk. It's, it's called Narnia. 
and it is ruled by a noble and brave lion named Aslan. So the children are about to meet Aslan for the first time. They've heard all about him, but they've just learned that he is indeed a lion. Lucy's sister, Susan, she says, well, I, I thought he was a man. I, is, is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mrs. Beaver, she says, well, that you will, dearie, make no mistake. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. And Lucy says, then he isn't safe. Mr. Beaver says, safe? Did you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Make no mistake, beloved, when we pray, our prayers come before the king, the creator, the redeemer, the judge. Praying isn't safe, but we pray to God who is good all of the time. And all of the time, God is good. So we do so with confidence, but let us not be so silly to think that we are not taking a risk with every prayer, a risk that God's will will be done in response to our prayers on earth as it is in heaven. The writer Simon Sinek, he has said, safe is good. He says safe is good for sidewalks and swimming pools, but life requires risk to get anywhere. Safe is good for sidewalks and swimming pools, but life requires risk to get anywhere. When we pray, we are risking boldly before God. He isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. So upon hearing the prayers of the saints mixed with the incense, the angel then has emptied out our prayers before God and takes that censer and fills it with fire and then hurls it at earth. All the angels there, the, 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 they, they sound the alarm. They, they blow their trumpets all in response to our prayers. Through our prayers, we are made participants in God's action. Pascal is a 17th century French physicist, philosopher, mathematician, theologian. He wrote that prayer is God's way of providing man with the dignity of causality. Prayer is God's way of providing us with the dignity of causality. Eugene Peterson puts it this way, God uses our prayer in God's work. Prayer, he says, pulls the action of heaven and earth into correspondence. God receives our prayers, is receiving them even now, the prayers of all creation. All creation. Back when we used to have a healing service here, uh, my, my friend, Ned, our friend Ned Smith, would often come forward when I would invite uh, 
anybody to come forward who would like personal prayer. And Ned, Ned would come forward and I'd say, Ned, what, what can I pray for you today? He would always say, all creation is groaning. God hears those prayers too. So I'd put my hand on Ned's shoulder. <clears throat> say, let's pray. God hears those prayers too. As the trumpets blow in heaven while on earth, storms rage, forests burn, seas and rivers are polluted. The way that John puts it in his poetry, it sounds pretty incredible, but, you know, we see these things, right? Happening as we speak. And then St. John said, I looked and I heard an angel crying with a loud voice and he flew in mid heaven and he just said, Whoa, 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 the inhabitants of earth. Hmm. All creation is groaning. And God acts with justice. God acts with justice for that mother and that child and that soldier and that prisoner and that farmer and that warehouse worker and that bishop. And for you and for me, God acts with justice. John's vision is one of hope for not only does God see, not only is God sitting on a a throne in heaven receiving our prayers, but as we heard from the gospel, God became flesh said in the gospel that he came down and he stood with them on a level place with a great crowd and his disciples and, and, and a multitude of people. And what did he do? What did God do with that great crowd of people? Why were they there? They wanted healing. You think they were praying? And what did God do? What did Jesus do? He reached out and touched and healed every single one of them. God knows personally why we pray. Does it just sit on a throne room? God gets down in it, lays on the hands. He doesn't just know it personally. Jesus experienced our need for prayer because Jesus prays. He prays for salvation. He, he prays for rescue. He prays for relief. He, he prays that this cup And that suffering would pass from me. He prays that prayer. He prays that prayer, that one that we asked about at the beginning. He prays, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He prays that prayer. Where are you? Why so silent? What is this about? I think God knows well why we pray, where our prayers come from. We want to know where God is when we pray. We want God's action and response to injustice and suffering, and we will have it. God's action includes urging us to repent, to continue to return to God, to take risks in this life that are needed to make positive change personally and in our communities and in a groaning creation. After a long night sitting by the fire with God, pouring out our our hearts, sitting in silence, God taking it all in. I think probably God 
stands up and slaps his knees, takes a deep breath and says, well, ready to get to work? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are honored you joined us. If you're in Harrisburg, we welcome you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030. To find out more about our church as well as the free health services we offer, visit our website, ChristHarrisburg.org. Our theme music is by Lucian Kemper. I hope today's sermon blessed you and you'll join us again. Until then... May God be with you.